Yeah, it has been a good morning this morning, actually. Um, and uh, I was really mindful of some of those words, actually, that came out just before, um, where God is really um, bringing his river of refreshment and touching us where we're weary or where we feel like we failed and we're going again. And um, I think that's... Uh, don't want us to lose that um, sense because uh, I think that is a bit about what God's up to uh, today. So, but we are, um, as you know, working through this sort of 110-year sweep that we see through the Book of Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah, and uh, we we just got on to part four, if you remember, which we called Prayer and Place: Nehemiah's Transforming Grief. Now, if you weren't here last week. Um, what you will, uh, what you won't have known is so we 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 kind of we've been using this uh, this sense of um, uh, this device to help us to understand the time period, and so so we're kind of um, uh, in Nehemiah. It's kind of like fourteen years after um, the last stuff that we'd read in in Ezra, and uh, we just started uh, the book. We really just looked at the first chapter and a bit of Nehemiah because. Um, and what we looked at was uh, what happened when Nehemiah got some pretty bad news about um, how things were going in Jerusalem, just what that caused him to do in terms of turning to God in prayer. Um, and yet it was a prayer that finished with, oh, Lord, give me, grant me success because I'm about to do something really risky and outrageous and I have an audacious uh, plan and desire in my heart. So that all came about through a period of maybe about four months of mourning and fasting and, and just seeking the Lord. And then it finally culminated in that prayer. Um, and we left it. We left it sort of hanging because it was like, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds really good. It's really audacious. He goes and says to the king, look. Uh, I'm really sad because think, you know, my home, my, the place of my forebears is in ruins. And, uh, you know, I, 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 he, he basically said, can I go rebuild it? Uh, and you thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, it's a civil servant, it's not a builder, so probably not the right trade. Um, but we kind of left it, you know, and I, I, said, I said that it was a prayer that led to action, which led to a once-in-a-generation transformation. But what actually happened? We never looked at it. Let's find out today. Let's just understand a little bit. So um, this is um, just the, uh, this is just a bit of, I just thought I'd throw this in just because I kind of think it's interesting. This is like the, um, this is what Jerusalem probably should have been uh, in the time of Nehemiah and all those walls, all that in grey was all kind of, um, uh, kind of, rubble basically kind of uh, knocked down and so all the different gates and stuff were there but they're all burned out so all completely done in um and so the first thing Nehemiah says is like you know I want to go and rebuild so um so that's what uh, that's where we kind of start off so what happens next well I'm going to try and give you again a bit of like a, a a sweep and here's the first sort of six chapters what goes on so we've talked about chapter one where there was grief about what was going what had gone wrong in his homeland and there was grace from God to uh, to um, find a way forward that meant some obedience and some some challenge and then we move to chapter two so the king says to uh, Nehemiah well okay how long is it going to take set a time and I have to say, I've been in that situation as well, where um, where you're talking to someone who's kind of senior, and you've 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 floated an idea, and they say, "Okay, tell me all about how it's going to take." You go, "Ah, oh, 
Well, I haven't actually, res- I haven't been, you know, haven't, he hasn't been at this point. He's got no idea. All he's heard is from his brother is like, it's all a bit of a mess. And so the king, the king says, tell me how long it's going to be. And uh, so he sets a time. I'm pretty sure that was a, uh, yeah, this long. Um, and, and while he's at it, he says, oh, do you think I could have some letters for safe conduct? And uh, oh, and by the way, could I have some letters to give me some of the finest materials from the royal parks to, to, to build stuff? And the king says, yeah, you can have all that. And, and you know, what? I'll give you an army escort as well. So, um, so he, he asks for a lot. And actually, the king gives him what he asked for and more, even more. So what happens next? Well, um, the the uh, he he, he kind of sets off and and that's so encouraged you know so encouraged and it's like oh well he's got this thing so um, and then and then meanwhile oops if I get this in the right direction as often happens you know when something good happens there are some people who are not very happy about it so meanwhile Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and when this is official right these were the kind of provincial leaders in the area around Jerusalem okay so so I think Sambalat was probably the, the 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 regional ruler appointed by the king also looking after um, Samaria and uh, Tobiah the Ammonite was uh, looking after an area just sort of to the, uh, the over the other side of the Jordan but they're, they're kind of then their neighbors so it's like they they've been very happy as a regional power with uh, you know Jerusalem just being you know, nicely in rubble and, and you know not really a rival it's all good and they do what they like and they can train and they can go in and out it really doesn't matter because there's no defenses there um, but so they were pretty disturbed they were you know it was upsetting their interests that someone would as this says promote the welfare of the Israelites and um, that's what was going on so um, anyhow, meanwhile, if you notice on the previous uh, thing, we talked about chapter two, and I've, uh, we un- we've understood the king's favour. And the next thing that happened, interestingly, was research. So how about that? You know, it's not what you necessarily think. Great reformer, what are you going to do next? Going to do some research. Okay, okay. Quietly. So here's what happens. Nehemiah and and his uh, little group go doesn't tell anybody even though the king's given this amazing favor there's no big trumpet sounds no big kind of la look at me i've been appointed to this amazing thing he just keeps it really quiet says okay better go and have a look i've given given the estimate to the king about how long it's going to take had no idea really i think i better go and look for myself so he goes out at night through one of the gates toward the jackowell the dung gate great name and he's examining the, the walls he sees all the the, 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 the broken down walls sees the fire burnt gates. Look at that. So the officials didn't know where he was going, what he was doing. I'd said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. So there's about 50,000 people there and it's going to need a lot of labor to get this thing done. And he's not said anything to them, but he's actually said to the king, we're going to re- rebuild this amazing thing. But I've not told anybody who's part of the plan that they're part of the plan. So... I'm just going to go and have a little bit of a look. So he goes and has a little bit of a look and works out, susses out what things are going to need to be like. And then he says to them, you see the trouble we're in. He faces them with how things are because he's seen it for himself. And then he says, come, let us rebuild. 
And then he tells them, then he tells them, look, God's been so gracious. Look at what the king's given me. Look at the materials that's coming. Yeah, look at the permission that's coming. Look at the protection that's coming. And they replied, let's start rebuilding. Yeah, let's do it. Because having done his research, he could say, I want to I want us to tell you God's up to something here. But he didn't just go with the fact that God had done something. He went and did his research, which I think is really cool. So, so that was the next thing that happened. And then um, as, as we go forward in this program, there is, I've kind of called this thing meticulous detail and progress. I was, if you look in, uh, in, in chapter three in Nehemiah, what it talks about is um, it says, okay, we rebuilt this section by this gate and then so-and-so rebuilt this, and, you know, and we, we, we started to work on this bit of the wall and this bit of the wall. And I noted down there are 41 different sections and Nehemiah painstakingly records exactly who did what and who helped and who shirked, like some of the nobles didn't really lend much of a hand and he records that too. So he kind of he keeps a pretty darn good record, but he's pretty meticulous with his detail, and they make some pretty in, pretty good progress. Right uh, by the end of that period, the wall is kind of half built. So um, what happens then? Well, then what happens is that um, Sambalat and those guys they're they're pretty pretty cross actually, and they're uh, and they're ridiculing it. And it says uh, it says that Sambalat and uh, he was with the Sumerian army. And uh, you know he was um, he was mocking it, he was ridiculing it, and then he was a bit menacing as well. He said, "You know, I think we might we might come and invade, and we might come and sort you guys out for doing that, because he wanted to intimidate them." And uh, so Sambalat's to buy, and they've also been joined by a guy called Geshem, the Arab, as it's called. So Geshem's looking after an area to the south of Judah. So you can see this little this little small city of maybe like one, probably like two kilometers kind of uh, length, you know, so it's not an, a huge place, but it's not a tiny place. But it's got no wars, got no protection. These guys haven't got lots of, lots of weapons. Okay, they had a little armed escort to get the, the group there. But these are the regional powers, the regional army, and they've actually, not only have those two been a bit kind of cross, they've also got the guy from down south as well. So now they're sur kind of surrounded with some fairly powerful people saying, we are not happy with what you're doing. So it's, uh, I think it's time you, you stopped, really. So, um, and and so you think, oh, okay. So, um, so what's going to happen? Well, all kinds of things then start to kick off. So, and and this is often the way, right? When you think about whenever you're trying to do something, right? You love that, you know. You draw the project plan, and it's like this thing follows this thing, and lo, lo and behold, stuff goes wrong. Stuff goes wrong, and there's stuff to deal with, and so. As we said, first of all, they have ridicule that turns to anger and then plots of harm. So, so Nehemiah's thinking, oh, so what do we do? Well, the first thing he does is he prays. Oh, Lord, what do we do about this? That's a good move. And then they find some solutions, a very practical solution. So he posts a 24-hour guard to watch out. And uh, that, that means that the, uh, the armies can't get the element of the surprise. So they're a bit frustrated by that. And then... But realizing they're coming, lo and behold, the people who are kind of doing this rebuilding are saying, okay, you're going to have to rebuild, but you're going to need to have your, your weapon in one hand and you're doing your rebuilding in the other because actually, you know, we're not, you know, we're in a fairly vulnerable position here. So, so that's another solution. 
And then it says, oh, well, the, all the people said that their strength is giving out because they're just, their strength is completely sapped by all this rubble, all this stuff we've got to clear away. It's just really hard going. They had no diggers, no big JCBs and all those kind of big things, no no mechanical stuff. And they're doing all this stuff. as None of them, you know, I guess a few of them probably were trained builders, right? But relative to everybody, not very many people at all. And... Uh, and so, and so again, it's like, oh, well, and, and they're saying, oh, well, we've got these vulnerable points. So again, Nehemiah's like, oh, okay, we'll plant some people by the lowest places and we'll, we'll, we'll plant them by families. So we have some focused defense of the areas we're vulnerable at and we'll, we'll, we'll work that through. And then Nehemiah's, oh, but, but now we're a long way spread out. So what are we going to do? Okay, oh, well, we'll get a trumpet. We'll get a trumpet so that actually if, if, if we see the enemies over here, you guys all know and you can come and help us. So, and then they say, oh, well, you know, well, of course that's all good, but then if we go away, you know, back to our, ho back to our homes in the, the towns around Jerusalem in the evening, it's vulnerable. So, oh, yeah, we have to sleep here as well. So, so there's kind of setback after setback and solution after solution. He's kind of working his way through that. Um, oh, lots of motorbikes outside. Interesting. Rum, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so what happens next? Well, you can see in chapter five, we've got what I've called injustice and uh, an example. And I want to just show you this bit. So so this is in the midst of all this stuff happening. And, uh, you know, you might think we've got a big project going on. There's a big kind of works thing going. And lo and behold, some of the men are raising an outcry and their wives, our sons, daughters and numerous, we're struggling to eat, we, right? We're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards. We've had to borrow to pay the king's tax. You know, and actually, we, our sons and daughters are in slavery. Um, they've been enslaved, and we can't do anything about it because actually we haven't got our fields and our vineyards. So, so actually, God's people, this 50,000 people or whatever, those people who are financially a little bit hard up, what's happening is they're borrowing from others who are saying, oh, thank you very much, I'll take that as security. And, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, can you pay the interest on that? All of which was counter to what God had said. He said, you, you don't take someone's means of livelihood, insecurity, that's against the law. And you don't charge interest, that's also against the law. It's what the surrounding nations would do. So, but that's kind of really interesting, right? Because um, you might think, and, and I would have been tempted to think if I was Nehemiah, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll get to that. But we've got this wall to build because actually we haven't got security here, so let's keep going. But he's like, no, no, no. When injustice kind of raises its head and it's, and it's not a problem from outside the group. It's a problem from inside the group that we're not treating each other right. And in the midst of all of that, therefore, he says, actually, oh, I do have to deal with it. I do have to deal with it. It's quite interesting. He, um, he gets really cross about it. He's got a bit of a temper on him, Nehemiah, by the way. He gets, he, gets, he gets pretty cross about it. And then he says, and I pondered and reflected. And then I came to talk to them. I think that was pretty. That was that was pretty good. He doesn't always. You'll see later. He doesn't always get it right like that. But this time he he got it right like that. But I think I think the thing that really struck me as I was reading that was, you know what this reminded me of. You know in the book of Acts, Acts six, where the church is growing, it's expanding. You think, oh yeah, the gospel is going to come. And then they say, oh well, these widows are being overlooked in the distribution of food. So actually, there's there's some injustice going on within the early church. And rather than, rather than say, well, I'm sure we'll get to it, but it's really important that we share the gospel, they deal with it. They choose people like Stephen, 
you know, to, to help to administer, you know, who's a god, godly guy. And they sought out the problem of the injustice. And it says in the book of Acts, so the word of God spread. So the fixing of the injustice inside was important for the wider thing that they were called to do. And it's just the same here, right? Just the same here. Nehemiah gets to those people who are loaning, loaning out an interest and taking security. And he says to them, I'm loaning too, but I'm not taking any security. I'm not charging any interest. Actually, God forbids that we do that. Why are you doing that? Why? We were all in slavery, and now we kind of got a bit of freedom, and you're putting them back in slavery again. What are you doing? What are you doing? So he confronts what's wrong. And... Uh, and actually, again, you know, so just like we read in Acts, you know, it's really important. And he sorts it out. He sorts out the issues. So, um, but then, of course, um, things carry on. Uh, oops. Oh, it's gone off completely. Okay. Um, yeah, think, things, uh, things, things carry on. So he also, by the way, says, them, you know, and, and points out, you know, he's not he's not taking all the perks of leadership. He could be taking allowance from. Him. He's not doing that. They're working just like everybody else. And do you know what? He's inviting other people to share in his food. So so he's not the kind of leader that's that set himself up. He's a good example. He's a good servant leader. He's just doing what he should do. But of course, he's relentless, isn't it? The intimidation carries on. They try to lure him into a trap uh to come out and you know maybe they'll 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 do for him they say oh come and meet with us says says his enemies sample and so on and then lo and behold the people who are prophets as part of the people of God are actually working against him as well and one of them says just come in just come into the temple you know, just do this thing and it's like oh well you could do that but then then we're gonna spread we're gonna spread a bad reputation about you because it would be wrong for you to go in the temple but we think you should come for protection. So they're trying to do a hatchet job on him they're spreading misinformation. Samlat sends out an open letter saying, these guys are going to make Nehemiah king. Trying to stir up rebellion, get the Persian king to be worried about what they're doing. It's all complete nonsense. And yet it keeps coming and coming and coming. So, so all of this stuff is going on. They've fixed some internal things. They've got some other things going on. And then we see, we get to this bit. Now I've put the kind of, the actual dates up there. This was the, this was the dates that it took to get from the September the 6th to October the 27th. That was the, 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 the approximate date that they took to build this city wall and these gates and make them good. And they completed it. So this this untrained bunch of builders, I put um, Auckland Light Rail up there by comparison. <laughs> you probably noticed that. <laughs> Just to say, um, you know, when we think about it compared to modern projects, <laughs> this was a pretty good, pretty good, uh, good thing. And in fact, it was so good as you can see that um, the surrounding nations that who had been very cocky about all this and they'd been really ridiculing them, actually they lost their confidence. They realised that you know this could not have been done. They could not have achieved this without God being at work. You know, so. So that takes us right up to the kind of the, the, the middle of the thing. And that's and you might think that's that was what Nehemiah said he was gonna do. And you think, oh, they've rebuilt the wall. Fantastic. Well that's good, isn't it? You know, it's great that we've got, you know, great that we've got a new wall and all the rest of it. But of course there was more to it than that. So look at the second half of the book. So that first half, as I said, is sort of six weeks. The next half is quite a few years actually. Nehemiah's probably, you know, in terms of being a 
uh, our governments. He'd be a he'd be a at least a three term three term leader. I think yeah, maybe four four term leader actually. Yeah, he'd be a four term leader. So be 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 the the equivalent of being the mayor of Auckland for kind of four four government terms. That's a long time. So so he looks after things for quite a while. He's in charge for quite a while, but. Here's what goes on. So for the first thing he does is he realizes, yeah, we've built these walls, but we've got a load of land. There's no homes, really. So we better do some house building because otherwise people won't have to live. <laughs> Maybe, you know. Um, and the thing is, um, he he does the house building. Uh, he, does, he, he, he creates like a land registry and a, a register of the people as well. And then we go on to uh, verse, uh, chapter 8 and... Um, and this is really interesting, right? Because um, 14 years on, a bit like a, a great show when it's reaching its climax, all of a sudden you get an actor from one of the earlier shows kind of pops up again. They're back. Who's back? Ezra's back. 14 years on. Hey, Ezra, good man. So, and uh, they're, they're a few months on from finishing the wall, and uh, as you can see, this is what's happened. So they, all the people come together, right? So the, 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 the 50,000 or so, they come together, and they say to Ezra, look, bring out the law. And uh, he does. And so he brings out the law. And as you can see, that the assembly is everybody. Um, you know, so it's all, all men, all women, anyone who is old enough to understand what was going on. And he reads out from the scripture. So, I mean, you think this is a long talk. Let me just tell you, he reads out from daybreak till noon. So that's quite a lot. Um, and uh, and, and El, everyone's listening. And the Levites then, Levites then, group of about, I don't know, six or eight of them, they help to, to explain it a bit more. So they instruct people in the law. They read out from it. They make it clear. They give it the meaning so the people understood what was going to be read. And um, it was amazing, actually, what happened. What happened was amazing. That hearing of the word of God for the first time in a concentrated way, that holding up of God's word as a plumb line, yeah, people really responded, and this is—I think this is the this is the closest thing you'll see to a revival in the Old Testament. Actually, this is like all of the people a great turning to the Lord is happening because the Word of God is just um, really speaking into people's lives, and um, it's pretty amazing. And so uh, the 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 next thing they do is they. Um, uh, they're weeping, and by the way, this is a bit where um, you know the one one verse that people tend to know from Nehemiah is that phrase: "The joy of the Lord is your strength." It comes from this bit because they're all weeping as they're hearing it. They're all kind of convicted and they're weeping, and and, and Nehemiah and the, the others say, "Sure, that's fine, but go and have some go and have some nice food. Go and have some nice go and have some nice stuff, right? Because this is a joyful time. This is not this is not something. This is a joyful time, and actually, you'll get your strength if you if you." Uh, if you're part of the joy of the Lord, so. But anyway, they um, they then um, they then kick off the. Uh, they read about one of the one of the festivals that, and it's about that time. It's called the Festival of Booths, or where people basically it's a bit like a Bible week, but people are intense the whole time. So so they do that. They 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 have that. They just put it into practice straight away as a whole group, and so they're there and. Uh, and Ezra's continuing to teach. He does the whole whole week series on the Bible, the Bible teaching stuff, and um, that takes us to um, a really interesting place. They they confess their sins. They recount the story of how God's been very faithful to them, and they've not really been very faithful to Him. 
and listen to what they commit to. So this is confession and commitment. They say, we commit to carefully obey the law. We commit that we won't intermarry with those who won't follow Yahweh. We commit that we won't uh, desecrate the Sabbath to get a trade advantage, even though there's lots of people around us who would like to trade on a Sunday. We commit to a seven-year rest for the land. We commit to cancelling all debts every seven years. This is, um, this is like amazing, not just your spiritual on Sunday stuff. This is like we're going to change the way our economy works. We're going to make sure it doesn't exploit people. We're going to make sure there are safety nets so that every seven years people are brought back to having, having means to support themselves. We're gonna do. We're gonna give for the temple. We're gonna give for first fruits. We're gonna give for tithes. We're gonna look after God's house. We're not gonna neglect God's house any longer. We're gonna look after it. So it's this amazing series, and 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 probably almost unparalleled, actually. You know, in you know, in in those in those periods, this amazing, amazing turning to God of all fifty odd thousand people who are there, and you think, wow, that's. This is really being set up fantastic. And then there is the mother of all celebrations and Nehemiah's arranging choirs to be on the roof, on the on the walls and singing. And he describes the absolute most amazing, amazing party. And you think this is really this is really set up for like happy ever after, right? This is just sounds fantastic. What a great case study in how, you know, God can change a, a God can work through this person and can change a society. Look how changed they are. This is brilliant. This must be what God meant when we were talking about a Messiah, a chosen one, an anointed one to bring about all this great change. Fantastic. Except the epilogue is interesting. An interesting twist right at the very end. This is the whole end of the book. And you're thinking, I've been set up nicely for to walk away as a credits roll. As well, it's a lovely film. It's fantastic. It's a lovely what finish. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. And uh, just before it does it, oh, here's the epilogue. And oh, by the way, this is this is not your normal memoir where, you know, the, the person writing it makes themselves out to be in a very good light. Because lo and behold, Nehemiah comes back and it turns out that Tobias the Ammonite, that, that neighboring ruler, well, he, he's been allowed to set up a storeroom in the temple. So he's kind of basically got all his stuff in there. It's a bit like his, his attic. He's got all the stuff in there. So there's no space in the storeroom for offerings and all for worship. The portions are no longer being given to the Levites. So, well, they would, other, they would otherwise starve. So they've gone back into the fields. This is probably like, um, this is a little while later. So we're talking, you know, maybe, maybe altogether, you know, up to 14 years after after things had started. The men in Judah, well, they're now treading the wine presses on the Sabbath because, you know, well, it wasn't all finished, so we better, we may as well, it will get, it'd be more efficient to use all seven days, wouldn't it? Never mind all that Sabbath stuff. Oh and, oh, and by the way, the fish traders, they're being let in as well. So all those gates that we've built up and all the, all those walls, those barriers that can keep out what what is bad and let in what is good at the right time, it's great having all of that, but it's no good if you haven't got the common sense to use. Have, not having boundaries is terrible, as we talked about last week, because actually bad things come in and you've got no control over it. Uh, or, or you put up barriers and good things can't come in when you need them. So, so a lack of boundaries is terrible, but actually even having the boundaries, they didn't have the will to, to follow through. So you can see what's being happened. So of course they're coming in, they're training on the Sabbath, desecrate, doing all the very things that led to them being exiled in the first place. Oh, and um, well, the men, well, they've now married women from uh, from all of those all of those surrounding places. By the way, all the places uh, 
from the people who were trying to undermine what they were doing in the first place. And by the way, the one of the ways you undermine that is that you, if you can get them into, uh, as, as Johnny was saying, arranged marriages, then you can maybe get an interest in their land. You can take the land away from God's intention of giving it to the Hebrews, etc. So all of that's happening. And actually, to the point that their kids don't even speak Hebrew, right? They're speaking the la- language of the Philistines. So they've completely lost it. So, and this is where Nehemiah um, is not quite as patient as he was earlier on. You know, I said he got angry and then he reflected on it and then he went and talked to them in a reasonable way and re- reasoned with them. Well, well, he kind of gets angry and goes and like, you know, challenges them. He rages and he, he, he fights them and he, you know, pulls out their hair. And it's really, you know, this is, this is not a leader covering himself with glory after all the dignity. He doesn't go on to be a kind of great elder statesman. He completely loses it. Because you can imagine, after all we've been through, after everything we've done, after the heights, after the amazing revival that we've seen, it's all faded, it's all gone. It didn't outlast him. So, of course, he organized, he rectifies things, and he appoints some new people of integrity. So he's kind of doing his best. But the thing is, it's like the people's heart, everything that brought them together, is kind of, it's kind of sort of, um, it's just fallen away. So that's an amazing kind of twist for us as a reader. We don't get that warm glow anymore, do we? What do we see? Well, first off from this, first off, if you haven't got the message already, we need to find our voice. Nehemiah is the fourth time in that 110-year period where people make their appeal to the ruler. And lo and behold, the ruler does amazing things that promotes the purposes of God. And three out of those four times, it's positive. One of them is defensive. But three of the four times, it's doing something new. It's going further. It's bringing about righteousness. It's not protecting people from attack. It's, going, it's, it's the positive agenda of the kingdom coming. And it involves finding your voice. I was very pleased to see, by the way, the stuff at the side, all the voting stuff, the little orange man and all the rest of that. And, and you know, in our context, you know, we need to use our voice. You know, we've got an election happening at the moment, if you hadn't noticed that. Um, you know, around 24,000 people is enough to swing one seat in this election, by the way. And there's, there's way more than that. There's at least four times as many as that actually right now in churches here in Auckland this Sunday. So there's a lot of us. So what are we doing about that? Are we using our voice? Really good question. Can we find favor with rulers? Well, the scripture would say a surprising amount of the time we can find favor with rulers and create a climate that means that more can happen, that we can see more justice and more of the purposes of God fulfilled. How about this? Every time we want to promote welfare, it's going to be contested. It's going to upset the status quo. And that's what we're called to do. So that kind of means there's going to be opposition to what we do. It's not going to be a a, a piece of cake. We're not going to be loved by everybody if we're doing what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus divided opinion he was a troublemaker actually and uh he wasn't you know we tend to think about the theological i was reading uh, this great book by a guy called vishamangawadi is an indian writer um and he says that you know the the new testament often talks about the theological reason why jesus went to the cross right but the historical reason was very obvious to everybody he was a threat to the establishment so you know, actually, if we are true to the gospel, then we're going to be in contested territory. So we're going to have to be used to that. 
We see the power of community coming together. This wasn't done by some elite and some highly trained group. This was everybody mucking in. This was everybody building a bit together. This is, this is what we would call everyone gets to play, right? And we, this, we see it here in this, in this amazing time. Of course, there's the, there is the, um, the, the benefit of, of good leadership, leading well, and, and people responding well to leadership. You know, There aren't positions and perks. There's just taking a risk to do what's right, leading from the front. So, but wise leaders will research, they'll pray, they'll problem solve, they'll inspire, they'll communicate, but they'll set an example. And actually, we all respond to that and we all go together. There's always going to be a reckoning of, with injustice, even within the community. So how we treat each other, God will put the spotlight on that. We won't just be good news out there if we are not good news in here to each other. The amazing power of God's truth to change lives. You know, it's a great example of um, teaching, culminating in probably as full a community commitment you're ever going to see. It reminds me a bit of, you know, in Ephesus where they turned the whole city upside down. They responded to the gospel. And the people who were selling idols were really, really upset because they were not going to sell any idols anymore. That's going to complete you. They were burning hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, of magic scrolls, all that kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, this is really changing things. That's the power of the gospel changing lives. And here we see the power of God's truth. Ezra reads it, just reads it. And they teach about what it is. That guy Vishamangawali said this. He said, the discovery of truth is explosive because it calls for major changes in our outlook and service. Finally, we see this, that the fragility of human commitment. Even though it was set up for the happy ever after, we see the revival phase, they backslide. They actually backslid on every single point that they committed to God about, literally point by point. They said we won't desecrate the Sabbath. They desecrated the Sabbath. They said we won't intermarry. They intermarried. They said, they, they said we will uh, not neglect the house of God. They neglect the house of God. They said they'll give tithes. They stopped giving tithes. Every single point, you can literally go through and match it point by point. It all just degraded. It was like entropy. It couldn't sustain it. And... Um, do you know, I think that's, that's really uh, good for us. Um, remember, um, it was um, Tim Keller said, Jesus saves us from political complacency and also from political primacy. So it's not like social reform is going to be the answer, the full answer. And it's also not like it's not something we should be going for. Because we know the full answer involves something more, involves our heart. You know, and that's the limit. We can reform institutions and places and spaces, laws. We can even see a great turning towards what's right in society. It's important, but it's not sufficient. The great hope of Israel has to be for more than a righteous governor. The interesting thing about this, this time is this bit of history, this is the last bit of Old Testament history we're going to get. After this point, there is 400 years where Malachi says what he says as the prophet, kind of calling out all this backsliding. And then that's it, 400 years, nothing. There is, they don't hear from, uh, from the prophets until a young man called John appears saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. A voice in the desert saying, prepare the way for the Lord. Because they've been primed to see that it's going to need something more. It is going to need heart surgery. It is going to need a change that fills with the Holy Spirit.
It is going to need Jesus who said, come all you who are weary. Take my yoke upon yourself because we can't do this in our own strength. We can't live out the kingdom by human commitment and obedience to rules. We just can't do it. This is the perfect conditions. It's a perfect example. It's a perfect test case. And even with all of that great stuff they had going for it, it just wouldn't last. God had something, as Hebrews says, God had something better planned for us. He did. So, I think I'm going to um, stop there. But I think that gives us just a sense of um, what God teaches in this prophetic way through history. And where is he leading us? How are the writers leading us? Well, they're, they're leading us to get really involved and think it's almost all about to come together. And then realize there's more. There's more that we need. And what we need is we need the presence of a savior to really come and change us. I'm going to read that passage that Jesus said. And maybe we can hear it not just as individuals, but as a community. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay any he anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly.